You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everybody. As you can obviously tell, we are still not in studio. We are still traveling. We're in the midst of our North trip, which has been far more filled with drama and surprises than we expected. Yeah, you'd, <laughs> you'd think a summer trip would be just fine and weather-free. And well, yes. It, it was not so far. The first part was, but the second part hasn't been. I, I, very surprising. We will show you, obviously, lots of stuff about it we're very excited <laughs> to share. But the big thing I want to say is it is summertime, which means construction season. Yeah, you let him get yeah. stuff done in the mountains is during the summer months when all of the tourists are here. So there's that, which resulted in dirt roads, muddy dirt roads in sports cars. Yeah, you know how I've pined for a Safari Eyes 928. Uh-huh. I really wanted one now with like <laughs> underbody skid plates and raised yeah. suspension and lights and the whole works. And I wished we totally. had that today. <laughs> Safari Z car. We, we were not looking. We found some dirt roads. Like the the entire highway was dirt and gravel, and that, yeah. there's no pavement anywhere. And it's a major thoroughfare. It's a, it's this or nothing. Yeah, that that was the funny thing about it is you would think, well, guys, don't be stupid. Don't take your cars down dirt roads. No, no, this is a highway. It's a major highway, <laughs> like four lane highway, and they didn't even do the half. Nope. You know, brand new black top nope. and half dirt. They, it was all dirt. It was yeah, it was, it, was, it was the world's largest, widest, muddiest, <laughs> soupiest dirt road that we had picked. As, oh, Ever. Well, the highway will be faster. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're thrilled you're with us. And hopefully you've seen the GR Super Manual piece on our Test Drive channel. That is out, and mm-hmm. we look forward to sharing the GR Corolla piece with you and, and the larger comparison that uh, we put that car with. And yeah, hopefully you've uh, you've seen that piece. It's yep. playing well, which we're happy about, which is pretty cool. The Corolla um, stuff's going to be cool. I'm excited about the, all yeah, of Yeah, there's a lot to come for the Corolla. We've got two debates. We're going to dive right in. First from Balin S. in Atlanta, Georgia, who's moving from a truck to a sports car. Or so he thinks. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Did he get into his requirements and go, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got Gregory M. in Cincinnati, Ohio, who writes to us and says, when the Jeep thing just ain't your thing, what do you do? (laughs) He thought it was his thing. He tried hard. And it just is not his thing. It's not his thing, yes. So let's jump into Balin's email here. Balin says he's been a longtime listener. Really appreciate you writing. Yeah. He just graduated college a few weeks ago when he wrote to us. He's from Kentucky, but now living in Atlanta for work. He currently has a brand new... Toyota Tacoma TRD off-road with a manual transmission. Hmm. Paid $42,500 plus tax. And he was planning to start a build for a truck he would never sell, you know, with all the TRD Pro goodies. Mm-hmm. But he had to wait four months and didn't end up with a premium package he ordered due to Toyota apparently killing off the package for the TRD off-road. Halfway through his wait, he inherited his grandfather's 1998 Chevy Z71 K1500 extended cab Hmm. with the Silverado trim. So we have trucks covered is what we're Trucks coming out his ears. The trucks are happening. Also, that uh, Tacoma TRD off-road is worth some money now. Probably worth genuinely more money than he bought it for. Yeah, you're right. Well, Balin works in construction, specifically lightning protection, and needs to be able to use whatever vehicle he uses for work. The most he would need to carry, though, is a bag of tools and a spool of aluminum or copper cable that's 
a foot and a half by two and a half feet. So not that much. Not that much. I mean, when you, you probably get that in a trunk of a car. Yes, you could certainly get it in any hatchback on the planet. I mean, this, yeah, is, not, this right. is not an unsurmountable amount of stuff going to work here by any means. But Balin drives 30,000 miles a year between work and trips back home, so whatever he get, gets need to be, needs to be able to run 150,000 miles with no issues. That is a tall order, my friend, to just mm-hmm. say 150,000 miles, no issues whatsoever. You just, you just don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. But he says in five years, the goal will be, be able to trade that vehicle in for a Supra. You really want a Supra. I love that. Okay. And, I think and the manuals will be hopefully down in price by then. Yes. My question, though, is in five years, will Toyota still be making the Supra new? I wonder. But I'm sure he could get one for... Because you're talking about trading in, which trading is in. a new one. Yeah. But I, but you can well, maybe he can get a used one. one. Yeah, either way. Okay, interesting. But he says something that holds its value is a plus. Okay. And I would like to pause right there and caution you against buying anything for value and yeah. having value as part of the equation. Even though the world has turned upside down and nobody ever thought that cars that were apparently worthless now have value. <laughs> That yeah. nobody saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you see that meme when, you know, back in, I don't know, 2017, 2018, where do you see yourself in five years? Not here. <laughs> Very true. You know? Absolutely true. So nobody saw that coming, but I caution you against shopping, thinking, yeah, I'm going to trade that in on a vehicle mm-hmm. or get a vehicle now that will hold its value and therefore work your financial plan around yeah. whatever perceived value in five years. You just don't know. It's a near impossibility to work it that way, for sure. The requirements include a manual transmission as number one. Okay. Fun to drive. Well, sure, yes. Has some cargo room. Mm-hmm. Comfortable for commuting. No rattles, excessive noise, or stiff seats. Okay. The rattles and excessive noise I cannot help you with. <laughs> seats you can choose. <laughs> well, right? and, and that's the thing. You don't know what rattles will happen. If you get one new, you're right. This doesn't have any rattles yet, but get, <laughs> talk to me at 10,000 miles. We'll see how we're doing. Yeah, for sure. He likes a sunroof, leather seats, all-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. And the MOF-to-be prefers four doors. But these are the likes. It's not a requirement, except mm-hmm. for the manual. We're not really in requirement mode. I mean, the, yeah, anyway. Previous vehicles include an Avalon, mm-hmm. 226,000 miles. Wow. A Sierra 2500 with quadrasteer. A late 1999 Volkswagen Jetta TDI with a manual. And then another Volkswagen Jetta in 2011 TDI with a six-speed manual. <laughs> wow. Chevy Silverado RST Z71 from 2019. And then, notably, the sports car on the list was a 1993 Toyota MR2 Turbo with a five-speed. That's cool. I like that. Mm. He still continues, though, with lots of trucks. We've got a GMC Sierra 2500 HD Duramax, which went to 180,000 wow. miles. There's that Toyota Tacoma TRD offered with six-speed. He now has his, grandfather, his late grandfather's 1998 K1500, and, uh, oh, wait, th- sorry, it's two different Tacoma off-roads. So the point here there was is, a 2020. there's Toyota love. There's a lot of Toyota love here. He actually said that he enjoys quirky stuff, but his favorite thing of that crazy list was, I can't even believe it, 2004 GMC Sierra 2500 light duty with Quadra Steer. He said that was an absolute riot to drive. Oh, funny. It got 10 miles to the gallon, had a 20-gallon tank. He said that was by far the most fun vehicle he drove. Coming in a close second was that MR2, which was a blast. But he actually, <laughs> he said it never ran. 
it ran terribly. He said, I've had tons of Toyotas, which as you've shown, have run tons of miles, but he had a problem child MR2, and so it was like, no, that's got to go. But the rest of that paragraph is completely contradictory because mm. he goes on to say he loves JDM cars, specifically Toyotas, because of the reliability. Yep. That MR2 was apparently the complete oddball. Yeah. Weird. He said they've had several Toyotas go 300,000 miles and beyond throughout his life, and none ever died. They just <laughs> sold them around 300,000 miles to upgrade, except for the MR2. He said the MR2 never did more than 10 miles before something always broke. So it was the grand Toyota exception. But that but was a pure Toyota vehicle. Yes, I know. You're right. That yeah. was all Toyota right yeah, there. You're right. So Toyotas, yes, 300,000 mm-hmm. miles, except for that one. He would, <laughs> he would like to trade down to lower monthly payments to add more room to the monthly budget, and he'd like some diversity in the stable now that he has his grandfather's truck to do Home Depot runs. He wants the thrill of the MR2 again without the MR2 problems. That is such an interesting sentence, isn't it? You mm-hmm. would just think, well, the MR2 is going to run. He gives you $35,000, Todd, and thirty grand for me, but he knows I'm going to go over anyway. Yes. yes. <laughs> you're going to go to whatever the largest number was on the page. That's what you're going with. 35 at least. Mm-hmm. He was looking at the WRX, but he's not heard of many making it to 150,000 miles, at least not on the original engine. <laughs> Sorry. That's I just... hope these requirements are not hard and fast. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Should he stick to the Tacoma, because he'll know it'll fit all the requirements... Or is there a car that will be able to fit his needs as well as bring some excitement to the stable? Well, yeah, the Tacoma will. You've already had to at he's least had, one. He's had one he's other one, two. and he's had he's lots had... of Toyota in his history, and there's lots of pickups. We have a pickup. And I also think, Balin, the, the big thing I think here is, since you're considering getting rid of the Tacoma, the key thing in my mind is you can get money out of it. You can. That I, I fully and raise the suspect... Budget? No, well, not necessarily, but I fully suspect you could get out of that for about what you bought it for right now, mm-hmm. because it is the last gasp of the Tacoma, the six-speed, the everything, and it's the TRD Pro, mm-hmm. which nobody can mm-hmm. get. I, I think because you're willing to sell it, I think you absolutely should sell it, because I think financially, at the place you're at now, it will never be worth more than it is right now. I do think the market is kind of cooling a bit, so it's a good time to get rid of that, and then you give yourself some flexibility, especially considering your only pickup requirements are covered by your grandpa's old truck. That's true. Balin, this is for you, but it's it's for everyone. And that is something I've noticed lately. I think everybody's noticed it. Manual transmissions, nowadays, there's a lot of them available. Mm-hmm. But they come in either rear-wheel drive two doors or front-wheel drive four doors. The grand exceptions are, mm-hmm. of course, the Golf R and the WRX. Mm-hmm. But mostly, if you want a manual transmission, you got to go after a rear-wheel drive sports car yeah. or find some front-wheel drive four-door and be happy. The four-door rear-wheel drive right. manual is almost a dinosaur. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's very hard to find. You're right. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to shop. So something about the list, there's going to have to be some shuffling. Some horse trading, some give to get, some totally, yeah. I like I this agree. more trade off with, you know, I guess I can live with that. If you really have to have a manual transmission, well, sure, you're talking about a Honda Civic SI for 30 grand? Mm. Yeah, okay. It's not all wheel drive. Yeah. But wait, you're in Atlanta. Do you need all wheel drive in Atlanta? True. Maybe a few weeks out of the yeah, year, I, maybe, I but I, for the most part. I don't part, think there's any need there. There's no need. Yeah. So go get a Honda Civic Si, four mm, doors, that's fun. Good. It's thirty grand. It's right in the price spot. You're, hey, you've done very well there. I do really like that one. That's good. 
But if you really want the all-wheel drive, sure, GTI, well, not GTI, but a Golf R at least. Hmm. But then everything you just said about, I wanted to go 150,000 miles at least, <laughs> I cannot guarantee it. that with a Golf R. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, then I kept going to the next usual suspect, the Mazda 3 Turbo. Yeah, yeah. all-wheel oh, yeah. drive, hatch, mm-hmm. yeah, good work car, sure. I see the problem. Only an automatic. Mm-hmm. Will it go 300,000 miles? Can you hold that up to old Toyotas that you've had? Maybe. The Mazdas are great, but every car is going to have some issues. Yeah. Every single car. So therefore, if we're going to spend money and you're going to really have the fun, (laughs) go look at a BMW M240 xDrive. But I don't think those ever came with a manual. They had that 8-speed in it. Mm. But I don't believe you could get the X-Drive with the manual. Get the 235i with and the, the 240 manual. with the manual. And 240, but again, I don't an know all-wheel either. drive, have to look it up, two-door yeah. with a manual? I don't think that exists. It is a all-wheel hard, drive. A hard game yeah. yeah. I think where you are. Okay. So, like I said, something's going to have to mm-hmm. give in there. But for the most part, I think you'd be happy. It'd be great. It would. I think you're really leaning towards the reliability because you're going to be putting a lot of miles yeah, on yeah. whatever you buy, and that really sticks out more than something high-strung. Because, yeah, that MR2, sweet car, but it was a pretty high-stressed engine. Totally. High-strung yes. car. Yes. Didn't last, right? Those little turbos certainly were... <laughs> right. They were cranked up, for sure, yep. So what matters the most? I think mileage matters the most, the longevity. You're buying a Honda Civic. Those last a, a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah, that little turbo motor is is not the biggest standout in Honda's reliability, but at the same time, compared to most things, that should be to really most good. things. It's yeah. still a yeah, pressurized, you. you know, high pressure engine. But okay, you know, we're talking about a Honda Civic. I think that'll give you a lot of fun miles. I think you'd really like the car. It's got a lot of space in it. He could go back in time. It does. I'm just now thinking about it. He could go back in time and find himself not to spend his full budget, find himself a used Accord manual. Could. With the yeah. naturally aspirated two liter, that might work too. Isn't that a naturally aspirated two liter in, in that car? Sorry, uh, it depends on how far back point. you go. Anyway, the point being that the Accord is a bigger car, but it isn't. It doesn't rotate like that. Uh, mm-hmm. That new SI does. No, that new SI is really fun. I like that. that's a good one. I mean, you're giving up fun. You know, yeah, yes, for check sure. More boxes mm-hmm. takes away more fun. Totally, Balin. This is interesting because I think there's a there's a million ways you could slice this up here. And as you can also see, we're, we're actually debating it as we talk here. We're going, well, hang on about that. I mean, it's definitely one of those car debates, so thank you for sending it in. I thought about, you know what, I think hatches are the thing for you. But I also mm. thought about how much you love Toyota. And I, I don't understand the need for all-wheel drive here. I just don't. I think it's unnecessary. I, I feel like you're, the reason you're, you're thinking about all-wheel drive is because, okay, you really don't want a front-wheel drive car. And so you're trying to... to to skirt the issue of you can't find it, make it all work with rear-wheel drive. But what if I went with all-wheel drive? So I don't think that's a requirement, really, that, that, that a requirement for your life, necessarily, even mm-hmm. though I understand it's something mm-hmm. that you do like. I've got a couple here. I, first off, all of these almost feel like wild cards. I'm going to start at this one that's a little bit of a wild card, and that is don't spend anything close to your full budget. You need a commuter, feels a little bit fun, a little bit hatchy. You can get a used Fiat 500, a BART. Mm. Get a low mile one of those hmm. because uh, I'm, I'm those thinking, are cheap though. Yes, but I'm Relatively also thinking speaking. there's there's a trade off here because buy a 500 Abarth without worrying about will it go 150,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You buy it for 15 grand and it lasts you for the next two or three years and it goes 60 or 70 thousand. It's the same equation. You just mm-hmm. are buying a car sooner. 
Right. Instead of spending thirty thousand dollars for a car you buy for six years, spend fifteen thousand dollars for a car you drive for three years. It's the same equation. Sure. So I think sure. the the five hundred Abarth would actually. I think you'd enjoy that. I think it would be a very fun car. It has personality. It's front-wheel drive, but I think you'd like everything else about it. It should have enough space. In the Toyota world, I have two. Okay. First off, um, why are you not even considering the 86? First or second gen? Because it's not all-wheel drive. True. And it's, but can, it's too small. You're right? It's too I guess small so. for work? I guess so, but Toyota reliability... You've got a decent-sized trunk that could probably fit everything you're asking for, and if not, you can drop the back seat. Right. You could get yourself a used one for well under thirty. You get yourself a brand new one for your budget of thirty-five grand. Hmm. And I think because you have the pickup to do pickup things, because you like Toyota, you want something ideally new with a warranty and all that kind of stuff. Get one of those. Now, what I really want for you, Balin, is I actually want you in the new GR Corolla. However. That's the car. However, it's above your budget. They're unobtainium. And, and there's that, that reality. Will They're they be painted in unobtainium. Yeah, it's the problem. So, so I, but that made me think of the Altier. And I think you get yourself a loaded XSE Corolla hatchback. It's not a hot hatch. It's a lukewarm hatch. But it's a good six-speed. It's no, got a lot of space. that is good. You, you're not going to spend your whole budget. Brand new car, hatchback, get it in that really cool blue. That's, that's one of the problems with the current GR Corolla. It's yeah. not offering very many colors. It's just red. Like we've talked color. about next year, the next They're going to start teasing though. them out. You know they are. So Paint them colors. But get yourself a Corolla XSE hatch. That's good. As sporty as mm-hmm. possible. And just drive it. Because ultimately what you're doing, you're buying a usable, high-mile-capable, somewhat fun manual transmission. With an understressed engine, which means it's going to meet your 300,000-mile requirement. Yes. So my favorite of all of these, and I I could keep going, but my favorite of all of these is that. Get yourself an XSE hatch from Corolla. Have a nice day. Get another Corolla, pardon me, another Toyota in the garage. And you'll probably make money off that TRD when you sell it. You know, somebody's going to make body kits, GR Corolla body kits, to You're retrofit right. your old XSE and make it look like a GR Corolla. Is that a GR Corolla? Nope. Doesn't have the drivetrain or the engineering or the engine. Well, Nothing know, about it. You know people are going to take the badges and they're going to put them totally. on the lower levels anyway. You know they <laughs> oh, are. Oh, man. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year. Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace and take a look around. We think you'll love it. Greg is writing to us from Cincinnati, Ohio. He said he, he's concluded that he's not a Jeep person. This is this is a bit of a long story, but ultimately he's not a Jeep person. He's been following the uh, YouTube channel for a while. He's just now listening to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us. He said his car and lifestyle keep changing, and his car has to kind of adapt. But he's had the car disease from ev- forever. He said his father and his grandfather were both car guys, so there was no chance he wasn't going to like cars. He said they change their cars every two years for the next thing that caught their eye. <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. If I had that kind of money to change cars every two years... Well, but you and I do buy a different car well, we, a year to cover on the well, show. I guess but we, we can get away with but it. But still... Though. Yeah, I totally get, get you, yeah. Well, he continues to like new things. 
Gregory graduated college in 2016, and his first adult purchase was a post-refresh Ford Focus ST. He loves that car, but he got a promotion in San Diego and wanted to upgrade. So he had a 2018 Mustang GT base with a six-speed manual. He says the car was fantastic. It was fast. Rear-wheel drive is great for sliding. Of course, it yes. (laughs) And he says he liked the handling on it. But it was, it was also a fantastic Grand Tour vehicle. Mm-hmm. Did many trips to Vegas and the mountains with that car and had no problems. But you fast forward two years and it was time to propose to the girl of his dreams. And while she supports his car disease, <laughs> she's not a huge fan of the loud exhaust the stock Mustang had. Interesting. So she suggested a Wrangler so they could have a fun car and a convertible. Do you want to stop there? Because I really want to stop there. Stop there, then. The, we're, the, we're stopping the, there. The Mustang GT <laughs> is too loud. It's stock. Stock. I know. It's too loud. Now, that's fine. I'm not a guy that likes a loud exhaust. I can back you up there. I get it. But it's too loud in stock form. And so the lovely woman in your life says, let's get rid of the Mustang. And mm-hmm. you understand and agree, and I think that's fine. But the conclusion is, let's get a Wrangler. Now, I like the Wrangler. My wife's obsessed with the Wrangler. That's right. I would never buy a Wrangler under the guise of, let's get a car that's quieter. Oh, yeah. That car's, I mean, tire noise, top noise. Okay, so this is where this goes a little (laughs) sideways here, because you went out and bought yourself a Wrangler. And you realize a lot of the stuff we're actually talking about. You place a down payment on a 2020 Wrangler two-door Sport S with a manual. And in four months, you realize that (laughs) it's a Jeep thing is not your thing. (laughs) He had sold that Mustang and, and, you know, spent half of it on the down payment, half of it on a ring. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to uproot from San Diego and move to Cincinnati, where they purchased... A WRX, a 2021 WRX Premium with mm-hmm. a manual. And he says he likes this car, but it's a little rougher around the edges than he expected. Like loud road noise well, and yeah, exactly. subpar interior. We haven't wound up in quieter cars yet since the right. last day. We just haven't gotten there, yeah. He says it didn't snow as much as he expected in Bengals country, so he found himself bitten by the bug once again. And now he's looking for something that is preferably not front-wheel drive-based and slightly more sport touring focused. Okay. He wants to keep the manual. The sentence here where he says, life is coming soon, so he most likely needs four doors. Is that kids, family? Does that mean life is coming soon? I mean, your life has started. So yeah, for sure. I don't know. Life unless, is coming soon? Yeah, unless so you, you are doors. about to have kids, there's, and even then you can get by with two doors. But anyway, I don't understand what requirement is, is pending that requires four doors. And I'm going to say it again to you, Greg, because I've said it many times. Do not try to buy a car for what your life's going to look like in five years. Don't what do that. What you think your life's going to look like yes. in five years. Buy a car for something that will meet your needs now. But, and, and I'm applauding you because this is what you did with the, with the Wrangler. You bought it, thought it would be great, didn't work for your life. Four months later, you got rid of it. Right. So, I mean, th- there is nothing wrong with doing that with cars. You had the WRX. You realize that's not quite right either. So don't, don't buy for the life you think you're going to have. If a two-door works now, get a two-door now. But that's what marketing sells you on. Yes, I know. Buy this car and your kids will go to college <laughs> driving it themselves. You'll bring them home from the hospital yes. and they'll drive away from your home oh, in the same car. Wall. Please stop. Yes. <laughs> Here's the life that you'll suddenly have when you buy this car. Look at the beach scenes. Look at the adventures. But I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I don't want to do those yeah. things. All right. Well, he says he would like to keep the budget between thirty-five and forty thousand dollars. He plans to finance and would like a warranty of some kind, which means newer. Yep. 
In a perfect world, a GR86 sedan would exist. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the GR Corolla. But again, (laughs) those are out of reach for pretty much everybody because the, the demand is so high. Well, Greg feels like his options are pretty few and far between, but he's wondering if he's missing something, and his MOF is MOF to be, excuse mm-hmm. me, is getting impatient listening to him talk about another car. <laughs> yet another car, yet another car, yet another car. <laughs> that that will continue. This for is the disease. She's eternity. gonna have to brace herself. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. I've been toying with AMGs. I've, I've oh been wow! Okay. Trying to get something AMG flavored over here. I, I hadn't really decided on something for you quite yet, Greg. And I've been looking at you know I, I want the CLA forty five, but that's a seventy thousand dollar car. That's a problem. Yeah. They're great. I've been thinking about M2s and 240s. Mm, Those are good. Two series, something along those lines. I hadn't settled quite, like I said, on a a particular car because I feel like it's going to be hard for you to settle on something, too. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hard to be very definitive. Mm -hmm. And so, like Todd said, you can't buy now for a year or two years from now. You have to buy something you need. I mean, you've got that WRX, even though it's rough, it does what you want it to do. It's True. just rough True. and yeah. loud. And so I've been toying with the Genesis G70 thought mm. and thinking around those lines. Some great sedan, quiet, good place to be, four doors, yeah. just a really great car, 35, 40 grand. I, I think you could do it with uh, with that um uh, yeah, but I, I keep coming back to something AMG, but again, the, the price goes way up very quickly the newer you get, especially the fact that you want a warranty. So let's stick to Hyundai and Genesis, something mm. in that range. Okay. I'd, I'd love for you to be in a Genesis G70. I think they're great. They are really good. Greg, I'm going to circle back here to a couple of sentences you said that really struck me. First off, it is that one that Paul pointed out. Life is coming soon, so I most likely need four doors. You haven't given us any reason you need four doors. Right. You don't really need four doors. You say then, two sentences later, I really wish that in a perfect world, the GR86 sedan would exist. What's wrong with the GR86, Greg? You don't, <laughs> need, getting, you yeah. don't need four doors yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and, and it seems like it checks all the boxes for you, except for the fact that it doesn't have four doors. I'm just going, can't that car work? But I'm going to rewind even further. 35 to 40 grand, you don't want front-wheel drive. Maybe something more sport touring focused than you've had so far. You would like to keep a manual. And you know what dawned on me? Hmm. It just breaks his $40,000 budget. But I think it might be perfect for Greg. Grand touring, rear wheel drive, manual transmission, warranty, everything. Is the new Z car. Well, that's an interesting thought. Now, you wouldn't have the limited slip differential because you have to break $50,000 to get that on that car. True. But for how, what you're looking for and how you're driving, new Z car. I think you'd well, love that interesting. thing. You're right. That is a grand... Well, sport touring, it's, yeah, it does the sport just, touring thing. It, yeah. exa- that's, that's, I think, where it does really well. Mm. It's kind of as a sport touring car. He's not a guy that's going to the track. He's driving around Atlanta. He wants to enjoy himself. Well, Gregory's in oh, Cincinnati. Sorry, that's right. We wound but up in still, Cincinnati here. Yes. he said the yes. snow wasn't the snow's as big not of an, an issue. issue. Yes, exactly. So I oh. think, I, I think, why not get a Z car? Well, that's interesting. It's not closer to thirty-five. I hate to say it. By the time you're no, done it's with gonna be, it's everything gonna be 40, we want, 45. he's going to be five. The above one we had was what fifty-two, fifty-three. That's because it was the extra was... performance upper pack. Yeah, the lower pack it's starts tempting, at forty, forty-one, though. 
and then you're probably going to spend four or five above that. Now, I know one of you or maybe many of you are screaming about dealer markups on that car, and they are looking to be obscene. However, the cars that I expect to be marked up in the Z lineup are not going to be the lower models. They're going to be the... To the 240 yellow ones, the, the launch edition ones, those are the crazy ones. By the way, mm-hmm. I want to mention again, I really do think these markups are horrible and criminal and shouldn't happen at all, but okay, separate thing I can't yeah, control. So, yeah. But you're looking for the base Z car with a couple little boxes checked, a little over forty grand. I think that's your car. I think so, too. I've been thinking about a lot of comments recently about people who get in the new Supra and are surprised that the sports car is sort of poured around them. Mm-hmm. And you and I are large. Yes. But that's the whole point of a sports car. It's small, you're True. down in it, it's True. You know, wrapped around you. It's not supposed to be a truck. I think we've all had size of cars kind of warp our brains mm-hmm. because of the amount of space inside SUVs and trucks. Sure. It's great, and everybody gets in. That's why you buy those cars and trucks. And you say, look how much space you have. I stopped walking, and now I'm seated in a vehicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I just stopped walking. <laughs> Plop. Exactly. Oh, look, there's a steering wheel here. All right, let's go somewhere, kids. That's really kind of how it works. But then when it comes to actual sports cars, it's like, well, yes, that's sort of the point. It shouldn't have that much space, because mm-hmm. then when you do start to drive fast, you don't want this huge cavernous True. thing. True, you don't yeah. want to be back in the cave. Trying to start a fire. You know? <laughs> Why won't this? I'm, I'm just struck by that, you know, because yeah. I, I see it a lot more, and I think, well, that's kind of the point when when you get a sports car, even a hot hatch, it mm-hmm. should kind of be kind of around you, pretty small. Anyway, I like that Z car for you, Gregory. I think you should find one of those. That's an interesting thought. All right, well done. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car, and instead of just thinking about go fast parts, what about stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. Power Stop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. You guys saw some of the pictures from this road trip that is still ongoing. I cannot wait to show you more. You've, you've given us some really cool <laughs> questions for us to talk through. So we're going to talk through a few of them. Uh, let's see. There was, uh, man, there's so many good ones here. I'm going to try to run through a few quickly. Jared Rose 1 said, can somebody knock me over the head and remind me that a used Range Rover is a terrible idea? Oh, he yeah. says, my wife wants one. We're getting rid of her Jeep because of the, because of the baby. Now, hang on. <laughs> Screech. Uh, wait, <laughs> what Jeep? I'm guessing a Wrangler, but I mean, okay, Range Rover, I guess, is in the same idea, but Range Rover, I don't actually think, you know what's a really good baby car is a Range Rover. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that see either. that equal sign, but okay. He said he's, con- he's starting to convince himself that the 07 to 09 would make a good family car. Someone please talk him out of it. Jared, I'm going to list both sides of this. First off, the entire car making industry, all cars have become more reliable in the last 10, 15 years. True. But yes. Range Rover is still at the bottom of that list. So what that means is Range Rovers now are more reliable than they used to be, but they're still the least reliable of their peers. So how do you want to take Ooh, that? Yeah. At the same time, we have a friend in Park City 
who has bought a string of Land Rovers, Range Rovers. He's had multiple discoveries. Yeah, He constantly yeah. has a couple of them. Two key things there is. He's owned them for so long. He, they're, they're just his. He just loves that. That's his feel. He wants it. His daughter drives one. I mean, when she first started driving, she got one. The key thing there is he knows how to work on them. And he likes to work on them. Mm-hmm. And so he never mm-hmm. takes them to the dealer. He knows how to do anything he wants to do on them. And they always run perfectly because if the littlest thing goes wrong, he goes, oh, I know how to fix that. So if you are a person who can maintain a car at that level, get an old Land Rover or Range Rover product. If you're not and you'll be taking it to the dealer, I think that is where it's going to get scary. It's not going to be something broke. It's going to be something else broke. And I'm back at the dealer spending a questionable figure. I think you can do better, Jared Rose. I know you can because when I hear Range Rover, that was a... I know this is not an affliction just for Range Rovers, but you hear that brand and that was the world's premier off-road brand. Mm -hmm. The jungles of somewhere, Brazil. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, the Camel Trophy Tour. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. No problem. These things are built for it and... Since then, they've gotten away from that image. The, the world's premier off-road vehicle, now just for cruising around town? Just because you want to sit up high? Yeah. There's other vehicles in which you can do that that will not freak you out when it comes to maintenance, especially now a more than 10-year-old rangy, mm-hmm. and those were not known to be reliable. Yeah. The Discovery Sport from 2006 was all the rage. Do you see those too much anymore? Where, where did those go? <laughs> they had to change the name. They were so unreliable under the they Discovery They were terrible. Yeah, for sure. So I encourage you to look at other SUVs. You do not want the maintenance. The image is what they're all about. And I hate to say it, the, the reliability hasn't caught up yet. Let's see here. Nick F. on Facebook asks, How many states... We have been to what state is on our bucket list to get to. Hmm. I've been to 41 states. Have you really? In the US. I haven't actually yeah. tallied. I should tally up. 41. Yeah. I haven't done much of the northeastern uh, seaboard. I haven't done That's much of that. the remaining. Yeah. Uh, uh, ver- no, I have been to Vermont. Okay. I did do that. Yeah. Mostly the West Coast, definitely Alaska, definitely Hawaii. I've been there. But yeah, there's a few. Rhode Island, I have not been to. Mm-hmm. Need to go there. And a few others on the East Coast. Just, you know. Yeah, I'd, now I, I'm far enough where I need to just check them all off. And, That's and cool. I like that. Finish it off. I need to do a tally. I don't know what the number is. I've not been to Mississippi. Okay. Yeah, that's one of them I haven't been to. Well, you know, if you live in Texas and you ever went to Florida once for a trip, you've at least been through Mississippi. I mean, does that but, count? Well, but they're just saying been to, you know. And I'm also counting not just landing in an airport oh, and I you know, checking that out. You know, yeah. you can't just connect through Cincinnati and like, okay, we're good. Checked off that <laughs> box. Yeah, that's not okay. I agree with that. That's good. <laughs> Nathan asks us, talking about maintenance, we talk about Porsches being expensive to maintain. Are we comparing that to the average person who just changed the oil or would it be similar to somebody like him who does every bit of maintenance you can imagine, don't they cost about the same? Nathan, I would say no, not in my experience. The the, the reality is this. It's not that, uh, at least so far, because I don't have an old 928 like my dear friend Paul. Mm. Our Porsche experience with the Cayenne, actually Paul's experience with newer Caymans, people that we know that have 911s, random things don't tend to break. 928 is an exception, <laughs> but random things don't tend to break, <laughs> Everything breaks on those. In, in, modern, in modern Porsches. But when you have to get something done, I'm talking routine maintenance, it's a 20 to 25% more expensive reality than if you had a Honda or a Toyota. And I'm not just saying 
well, don't go to the dealer. They I'm saying if you just went and bought the parts, mm -hmm. I need this part for a Toyota, mm -hmm. I need this part for a Porsche, 20, 25% more expensive for you to buy the parts yourself. That's why we talk about them being expensive to maintain. They, they typically don't just randomly break. Our Cayenne's been awesome. But man, the bill to do anything is just... And our mechanic obviously doesn't charge us any more to work on a Porsche than a Toyota. But they've said to me before, they're like, well, that part's going to be this much because it's a Porsche part. That happens right. multiple times. Right. K.A. Talbot says, how come the manufacturers are not making big advancements in getting the multimedia screens better integrated into the dash? Mm. How long will we have to live with this ugly stuck-on or stuck-in-front kind of design? Alpha did a great job with the Julia in this respect. It's still going to take a while, and I feel like we're in the thick of the same problem that occurred in early 2000s, like 2001, 02, mm. 03, where screens were just starting to be a thing integrated into the dash, but the electronics powering it, the software, was terrible. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so they were small, the tech wasn't there, but it was all the rage to have the screen. That's the same problem where... We already went through all the integrated screens, and now those good cars are stuck with integrated screens. Yes. Phaeton. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so if we want to go back to integrated screens, there's going to have to be some kind of standardization. You're either in the Mercedes ecosystem mm -hmm. or with Apple's announcement. Apple takes over, apparently yeah. Apparently, that will take over all the screens, which, in a sense... It makes the design job easier because now you know what's going to power it and you have the same uniform sizes to work with. So you I can suppose, just go yeah. nuts. Where, where do we put the screens? Whereas from a standardization standpoint, every car manufacturer is doing their own thing. Well, yeah, these are the yeah. ones that are available at the price we want from the supplier. Let's go with this. And we like the instrument panel with this and it has to work with the you know all the different models across the world or it has to work in two mm -hmm. different kinds of factories on the... Two opposite sides of the world, so let's just make it kind of stuck on, and that, therefore it's easily replaceable, too. That's the big thing. Wow. They do fail. They do go out. So it's a question for the car maker. Are they going to invest? Do they like that current look? Mercedes is really pulling it off, but I'm starting to see them integrate it more now, deeper into the dash sure, design, yeah. which is fine, but you know, you got to make sure the software is... Software is easily changeable, but you know, it's gotta it's gotta be good. But I agree that the stuck on tablet kind of look, cars can be better than that. Remington G twenty two says, "Have you ever fallen completely in love with a vehicle you're you're quote unquote not supposed to like?" He says he drives uh, a Fiesta ST that he loves, but his mom recently bought a twenty nineteen Chevy Duramax Dually, so almost the oh your Fiesta gosh. ST could almost go in the bed of that truck. Yeah. He was driving it for her to get at the oil change, and he realized halfway through that drive he was hopelessly in love with it. <laughs> oh so, gosh. Remington, I have an answer here, and that is, for me, it really is the Ram TRX pickup. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. I have no need for a pickup. I have no need for a pickup with 700-plus horsepower. These are not needs in my life. I don't even have a purpose for it. I don't, I, I mean, even in Park City, I don't need any of that capability. No. I'm not a guy that goes off-roading all the time. I'm not a desert runner. I need none of the things that truck does. And when I see one... And yet... When I, having driven one and loved it, when I see one go by the other way on the road, I am no different 
than 12-year-old me staring at an exotic car. I really? cannot help but look. I'm like, oh, there's one. <laughs> I, I want a TRX truck. That's great. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I know how stupid. That's the best term. It is stupid. And I just want one. I guess that's just it. I mean, that's why Hellcat anything sells. Mm -hmm. That's why they had to turn the production line back on for the Durango Hellcat. Mm -hmm. It's absurd. Yeah. Nobody needs a seven-passenger vehicle with 700 horsepower. (laughs) Well, but that's the thing. All seven of you hurtling at 130 miles. No. (laughs) The The Durango was fun. The Trackhawk Jeep was fun. The Challenger was fun. The Charger was fun. All the Hellcat things are fun and stupid. But the TRX just speaks to me at a level beyond That's all of this. So like, funny. I want one, and it makes no sense. I would have to think about that. I need to come back to that question. But Groovy on, let's see, Instagram asks if you can fit a pair of skis in a Cayman. Recently sold a 2013 FRS, which you drove in winter for ski trips after watching our FRS snow videos. Good. And thinking about what fun rear-wheel drive sports car can fit a pair of skis. It depends on how tall you are. Are these child skis? <laughs> the answer is primarily no. Because just because I can get them in doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable and doesn't mean they're not going to slide around and be locked down. Just because I yeah. can get them through the hatch and sticking out by your ear and maybe all the way to the instrument panel, maybe, but they're going to slide around and it's, it's really not a safe way to drive. And they're going to ding something and on it goes, yeah. The other problem is those edges are sharp. Mm-hmm. And they're going to cut your neck. It might even cut your jugular <laughs> while you're driving and cornering quickly. Cops are standing on the side so, of the road going, what do we think happened here? Oh, and after you've skied and you've kind of mm-hmm. gotten back through the muck at the end of the day, even brushing them off in the parking lot, they're still full of snow. Yeah. Do you want to put those skis that are poorly fit to begin with back in your Cayman? Do you really want to do that? You know. He needs one of those like sea sucker ski mounts. Yes. You could put on the outside and yes. suction cup it and pull it off. That's what you need. The, James, exactly the whole James right. Bond Lotus look. Totally. So maybe, but I say don't do it. It's not like the Cayman could fold the seats down. And <laughs> that's don't true. do any of that. Yeah. Just get the sea sucker rack, the, the suction rack. It looks cool on the back. Yeah, it does. It's, it's kind of vintage 356 kind of a look, you know, I love it. with that's that good. luggage rack. So yeah, I'd say go that direction. Last one for me, Ted Adam Green throws down a track daily crush Oh, that I'm going to make people cry no matter how this goes. Oh, no. Uh-huh. He says, track daily crush, Ferrari Testarossa, Porsche 959, Lancia Stratos. I know which one you're going to pick. Now, I have to, I have to make one addendum to make this work, and that is, uh, I, I've never driven a Stratos. I've tried to get in one. That's okay. right, you did. And it did not go well. So I'm going to just assume for the sake of this argument that I do fit in a Stratos, that I'm able to drive a Stratos because I'd have to crush it if we're talking reality because I just don't fit. Hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So assuming I could actually drive a Lancia Stratos, I would daily the Ferrari Testarossa. Oh, you would? Okay. I would because I just, you're sitting on the end of the nose. It's a sweet car. And it's got so much personality to yeah. it. I really liked it. I mean, I realized you're the one that drove it for inspiration piece, but I was glad you, know, you featured it. I was glad to drive it a little bit. I was just like, this is really good. It was one of those cars that drove better than you thought. Uh, absolutely. So Which I was would, good news. I would daily a Testarossa. 
I would track the Stratos and try to wrestle that car to the ground. Oh, my gosh. Which means oh I gosh. have just crushed a Porsche 959. <laughs> I knew it. Yep. All right, staying in Porsche, M-I-B-S-T-E-R 9001 Mibster says, should you bring back the slant nose version of a 911? Would it look good or bad on the current model? I think it would look bad. I okay. think it's something that needs to remain firmly in the past. <laughs> I never liked them. I always associated them with drug dealers and Miami Vice. And See, I love them. You do? I, lo- I love the slant nose. I didn't know that. Yes, I prefer it, actually. I think it's really cool. What? The current rounded fenders might look really cool with some integrated lights. That could be fun. I just think that needs to stay in the past because then it had these the flip up lights which I love, but then it just it broke the lines. It I weirdly know. yeah. I know. Even though you could say that about a nine twenty eight, but it just I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Thank you so much for writing to us. EverydayDriverTV at gmail dot com is where to send your car debates, topic Tuesdays, and car conclusions, and then send us. All the, the notes on social media, we really appreciate it, and we appreciate you consuming the content that we produce because yeah. we have a lot of fun, and we work hard to make sure it's it's good production. You, you wouldn't believe the stuff we obsess over, and I think you'd be surprised, <laughs> you know, from lighting to shots to when time of day when we shoot, mm-hmm. all those different kinds of things that come into play. So We had a costume really department again on this North trip. So we that's a did. new thing. We have a costume department that's going with us now. That's not a person, by the way. It's a box. But anyway, we do have Six a costume department. Box full of costumes. And that's our new thing we're doing. And it's <laughs> completely ridiculous. We look forward to sharing. Yeah. And we're always looking forward to next time. Really appreciate it, guys. Cheers, everyone.